Philip and I, we've been in a <clears throat> series uh, really t- trying to express who Jesus is, that at Christmas time gives, allows us to just focus on Jesus that much more, and how there's a mystery, there's a marvel, uh, and there's a miracle of Jesus, and today I am looking at His majesty. And... Um, you know, I'm just asking the Lord, help me exalt you, Lord. The Scriptures instruct us to do that, to exalt the Lord, and that's what I'm praying. By the end of this message, He will be exalted. And, you know, for me, uh, the word majesty, and looking at some definitions there, majesty, uh, you know, refers to a greatness or a splendor or a quality that's just grandeur. And we have things like that in our life every day that just touches our hearts and impact us. Today's message is going to focus more on his being, uh, as we might say to a royal queen, your majesty. Recognizing that he has power, authority, and he is the sovereign. He's our majesty. He is royalty, and he is Lord of lords and King of kings. But for me, Christmas time is, is full of special uh, uh, things that I love, like food. I love food. And I want to say thank you for all you bakers out there in the world that bake cookies and send them to your kids at school and places of work. And they're all different kinds of flavors and cookies. And somehow, many of those cookies get in my kitchen at Christmas time. And I'm, I'm a dunker of, of cookies. I like to dunk them in eggnog, one of my favorite drinks of all time, and, or milk, and I'm dunking those cookies. And, and uh, so, you know, that's majestic in a way. The, the, the pumpkin bread and the cakes and the pies, and as you can tell, and I do not worry about the scales from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And as your pastor, I encourage you to do the same. Walk with me in this. But it is a time of feasting. And hey, if I want to get theological with you, you know, in the scriptures, they do have feasting times in the Bible. And where they really did just bring a bunch of food and they just ate and ate. And that was part of their celebrations when they went to Jerusalem and had feast was to eat, eat, eat. So, hey, you know, just declared a biblical feast in the Riley house, right, for six weeks from Thanksgiving through New Year's and don't get on the scales. That's just, you know, my pastor said, don't worry about it. So, you know, you can use that if you need to. And yes, you know, we'll have to deal with it in January. We'll have to deal with it. Yes. I can't button my pants anymore. What's going on? Well, it was Thanksgiving and Christmas. But, you know, there are other little majestic things in life and, and we're experiencing this week and just having so much fun with our almost three-year-old grandson, Judah, and, and playing with him. He's all boy, just loves to play. And, uh, and then Eliana, who's not, uh, it's about one and a half years old, and she's you know, trying to say words, and she says them very well. But that little, petite, little, quiet voice just says, Papa. You know, and I'm just like, that's majestic to me, right? And it's, it's, so, it's so wonderful. God does these little things in our life to encourage us. But we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 in ways that God revealed 
who his son was and how majestic he was, even as a baby, as a child, pointing to who he really is and his majesty as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the authority and he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. So what's happening in Matthew chapter 2, just some background and how this chapter is unfolding, is uh, there has been this star appear in the sky, a star that researchers and, uh, researchers and scientists have, uh, have several theories, but the one that seems to fit the best of the scriptural uh, account is two planets align themselves with the star, which is called a, was called a king star. And as those planets are rotating around, uh, God ordained for this alignment to happen. So it was a brilliant, it wasn't just one star, it was a couple of planets and a star and this brilliantly lighting up at this time in history. And they, they look to this time in history as being uh, true in the scientific astronomy sense. And from uh, this star, there were these magi. Who were the magi? We often call them the three wise men. We use the word three because of the three gifts. The scriptures doesn't say how many there were. But these would have been uh, wealthy uh, leaders that were known in history as those who would study the stars and history and prophecies. And they would engage uh, the royalty of that nation. And they were known as king makers. In fact, Daniel, when he was exiled out of, out of Israel and went to uh, Persia under, and Babylon first, and then Persia to be under uh, oppression and serving these other kings, he rose to leadership among the Magi. And so he was a part of, that, uh, of those advisors to the kings of that ancient time. And so it's very likely that Daniel and other Jewish leaders with him had impact on those uh, international kings of other countries, and they learned about the Messiah through Daniel. And were looking for the Messiah and saw this sign in the sky. And so they traveled, uh, again, we don't know how many, but they traveled to Jerusalem, and when they came, King Herod, who was a very um, uh, paranoid-type ruler, he killed his, one of his queens, a couple of his sons, and others. To, he had any suspicion that they were going to try to take his, his kingdom. He would kill even his family members. And they went to King Herod and told him, listen, we are, believe that you're, there's a king that's been born in this area in Bethlehem, and we're going we're gonna to go there and worship him. And he and the whole city of Jerusalem, they were you know, alarmed, and they were troubled by this. So this isn't just three men on camels. They had guards to guard their treasures. They had to guard themselves on this long journey. They had supplies for many weeks, perhaps even months of a journey. This was an entourage of, of powerful people coming into Jerusalem all of a sudden and got everyone's attention. 
And so Herod said, well, listen, when you uh, find this king, you let me know, and I'm going to worship him. Wink, wink. Yeah, like he's going to do that. As we knew, know later in the story, he did send soldiers to Bethlehem to wipe out all the babies. So here we are. We're actually uh, going to read verse 11 here in just a moment. And this is, could be up to two years after his birth. And uh, so he's no longer in the stables, no longer a little baby in the manger. And it even calls uh, in the place they're staying a house. Um, and so as, as we read and start getting the scriptures today, we'll get into Apostle Paul and letters. Let's just pray over uh, us uh, opening our heart to the scriptures. Father, we ask that, Lord, your word will even prick our hearts, open our hearts, enlighten our eyes, our spiritual eyes, that we would see who you really are. And with that, Lord God, we would be encouraged by your majesty and how that impacts us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2 says this. These three magi, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So here's this entourage outside this house, crowding the streets with their horses and camels and supplies. And these uh, leaders, these powerful um, men from from a faraway land, we don't know how many, but they to the ground to this little toddler and you know you kind of wonder what 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 did jesus does he have any memory of this is how did it impact this little guy but it of course impacted everybody around watching his mother mary and joseph and they didn't give him little toys to play with that a toddler would get excited about that were colorful and movement, had movement to them. No, they gave them gifts for the wealthy, for the rulers, for royalty. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these three gifts, they point to his authority, his kingship, his royalty. Uh, gold is, is the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the prize of, of rulers, of wealth, of kings. And they received gold that day. They were ha- going to have a lot of expenses coming up soon to escape this onslaught, uh, an attack from King Herod. They would need to flee to Egypt and they needed a lot of money. They know we, they didn't have a lot, a lot of money because when they presented Jesus to the temple, they gave the smallest amount of offering, a little turtle dove as the as the offering for the poor families, young families. So they're going to need this provision of gold. Frankincense was a valuable uh, a root that was burned. It was resin from root and it was burned with smoke and an aroma that they used in that day in Jewish time and other nations as well for worship in temples. And so it shows who Jesus is. He's not only king, but he is, he is the high priest. He is a worshiper. And then the myrrh was a perfume, a very valuable 
perfume. And perhaps this is no small thing, but a symbolic, powerful reminder that when that resin from myrrh was crushed is when it, it expressed its smell and aroma of beauty the most. And that would be prophetic of what's going to happen to Jesus, that he's going to be crushed. And from that is when his glory and his work gets to, gets to uh, work through him to us. And so these gifts were not little toddler toys. Jesus may not have got very excited about it as a little guy that morning. But they were provisions for the road ahead, speaking of, of who he is. And so from this baby, we, we get this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that we love to read and we love to say it, and it's in many a Christmas carol. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So in that baby, in that little toddler, there rest these titles upon him. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God, eternal father, and prince of peace, ruler of peace. And all the government and authorities across the nations of the earth rest on his shoulders. Let me tell you, folks, our world is, is unrestful. It's what's happened we've seen in Afghanistan and how quickly things can change our, our world is, it, what's happening in China, we're not really sure. It's, it's a lot of question marks all around the world. But all the governments rest on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And He has not left just the events of the earth to happen on their own. But He really is the King of all kings and presidents. And governments. He really is Lord over all authority. And so we need to remember the Prince of Peace lives in my heart. So though there's a lot of question marks in all the nations of the world, rest in Him. The book of Revelation and other prophetic books give us the idea of, of what is going to happen. And, and, and one thing for sure is He's going to come back on a white horse. Not as a little infant, little cute little baby who learns how to talk, and you just love all the little words that they first start saying. No, He will come on a white horse, His robe dipped in blood, a crown on His head, and every time He speaks, a sword comes out of His mouth. If we think about well, if he really is King of kings and Lord is lords, what is his throne room like? If he's really majestic, what does his throne look like? The Bible gives us some hints. The Bible gives us some clues of this. It describes this throne room. Let us anticipate what we're going to see with our own very eyes one day. When Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when he sees the throne room, he is undone. And all he can say is repent because all he sees is perfection and holiness and all power. And he, he knows he's not worthy to be there. And he just calls out for mercy. Oh God, have mercy on me and all the people that, uh, that I'm from. We are people of unclean lips. 
Oh God, have mercy. Don't destroy me right now with your holiness and power. In that throne room and in Revelation 4, we get some more descriptions of this throne room. But His robe fills the whole temple that's so long. And isn't that funny how, how when you see movies and, and they show the robe of a king, it's very long. Well, guess what? His is the longest. And there's this rainbow of emerald around His throne of something we've never seen before. A sea of glass like crystal and flames of fire of the Holy Spirit uh, down by this crystal uh, lake here. And there are these creatures created just for worship that have six wings and lots of eyes and heads of eagles and lions and, and, and they're flying around and they just keep saying over and over again, for eternity, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and they don't get bored doing it. They are completely filled. They, he is absolutely worthy of all worship and praise. And so this throne room is so majestic. It's hard to even imagine, but we get these descriptions of what heaven is like. You know, we and kings of the earth and wealthy and you buy gold because it keeps its value in an economy that's inflation, right? Well, you have gold and gold is, is so valued throughout the world and it's asphalt in heaven. Streets of gold. So where you walk on, it's just the least expensive thing that you can make lay on the ground. It's asphalt. That's how majestic heaven is. And out from this throne, there's a river of life where the trees and that that flow out of the uh, that grow from they don't lose their their life. The leaves don't lose their life. They bring healing to the nations and and the fruit. It just constantly. A bear's fruit, it, 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 there's no life and death cycle that we are so used to here. Where spring comes and it's new birth and life and, and then it keeps growing through the summer and then things start dying again and then get gray and brown and cloudy through all the months of November and December and January and February and and my daughter-in-law comes to visit in Christmas and say, is it ever sunny in Kentucky? And I say, you've got to come back in the spring or summer. It's really beautiful. really. But in heaven, there, is, there isn't the, the life cycles. There's only life. Life and more life in heaven. And there's no need for flashlights and switch, light switches and chandeliers. Because and, there's light always. Because the light emanates from our Lord Jesus. So I share these things with you because this majesty, and we're going to get into the Apostle Paul's teachings in a minute. This majesty, both of our Christ and Lord, does impact us every day. Paul wants us. To realize that this does impact us, it builds us up and encourages us for today. I started to refer to this in really a, a message that I'm going to connect to two weeks ago out of Romans chapter 6, and we're going to 
look at three verses, which were key verses of that message, and just hit them real quick. But I talked about the life cycle of Jesus, how his work on the earth and why he, we needed the incarnation. We needed him to leave heaven and come become a man, the son of God and the son of man, so he could live this life before us and pave a way through this impenetrable jungle that we couldn't get through of, of living the life of God and the holiness of God. But Jesus paved the way and he took his machete and he, and he opened up this jungle so there's a path for us to go through. And so verses 3 through 5 of Romans 6, I'm going to use this to, to summarize from two weeks ago. That verse 3 says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Baptism literally means to be immersed, but it, uh, it means you're baptized, you're identified, you're immersed, you're identified with whatever you're connecting to. And so the Bible, the Word of God, apostles teach and say, hey, we can be baptized with Christ. We can be connected to, joint, identified with Him in His work. Even though that you can't do what He did, He allows us to be you know, embraced and connected to what He's doing. And, and the next verse says, therefore, verse 4, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we're not just baptized with Him, but we're baptized into His death. And then we are raised with Him so that we can receive His life. It's new life for us. See, that's why we like immersion. It's a great symbol because you're immersed into his death, you totally go underwater, under the grave like he was, and then you come back up out of the water with newness of life, resurrected, connected to his resurrection. That's good news, folks. We are baptized, we're identified, we're connected with his death and his resurrection. Well, there's more to it today, and that's why we're going to get in some more scriptures here from Ephesians in a minute. But verse 5 says, For with, if we have become united with him... In the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Certainly, Paul says, don't just stop there that we've been baptized into his death and burial, but realize certainly also in the likeness of his resurrection. This is good news, folks. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to stay there in several verses, starting in verse 17. Paul says he's letting us see and realize that this majesty of who Jesus is applies to us every day. Verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's stop there for a sec. 
This is Paul's, a prayer Paul. It's one that you should be familiar with. I want to encourage you to mark this Ephesians 1 prayer so you can pray it for yourself, your family, and friends. Because he's praying for that our, we would receive a, wisdom of, a spirit of wisdom and a revelation. That it wouldn't stay head knowledge, but when it becomes revelation, it becomes spirit knowledge and it impacts your whole being, mind, body, and spirit. And so even though there is a mystery that we can't fully, in, in human terms, understand, like the incarnation, God coming to earth and becoming fully God, fully man, but we can believe it's true and we can have, a, our spirit believes it and understands it, and that's how the Word of God is. The Word of God is not just good knowledge, even though knowledge is good and it builds us up, but it's, it's, it illuminates our whole being. And so this is what he's praying for us right now, and that our eyes of our heart would be enlightened. And that there's riches as a result of this. So let's keep reading in this passage, verse 19. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So he's wanting us to see that Jesus didn't just stop on the cross. He said, it is finished. And then he breathed his last. And that completed his work on the earth. But then he overcame the, the, the results of sin by defeating hell and death and sin and raising from the dead. And then as you know, as, as it goes on, he appeared to many as a, as a resurrected body on the earth to confirm that, yeah, he really did raise. He appeared up to, five, to 500 different people. Then it says he ascended into heaven and they saw this glorified body. Now go into heaven. And Paul is telling us where he went when he went back to heaven. He didn't just go uh, hang out with the angels. He didn't just go check out the river of life. He is seated at the right hand of his father. And you find this phrase that the right hand in, in scripture, Old and New Testament scripture. As being the, the symbol of the authority of the king, of the ruler, is at his right hand. And his scepter and whoever's at his right hand. All this is part of his authority right here. And so, the Father, God, has his son Jesus, who is obedient to the point of death. And therefore, God is exalting him to you sit at my right hand. And as we know in Scripture, this is why Jesus not only defeated uh, uh, death and sin on the earth, but He reigns from heaven, from this throne. And so every knee must bow in heaven on earth to the name of Jesus. So much better if you're listening online or here or later online on YouTube to bow your knee while you live on earth than being forced to bow in judgment day. This is a day of grace. This is a chance for you to make your own decision and to bow your knee and say, yes, I honor you, serve you. You are Lord of my life. I take myself off the throne of my heart and I put you on the throne and I turn away from my sin and turn, 
Do it now while you live on the earth. Do it today. You don't know how many more days you have on the earth. He is seated at his right hand, the Father's right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21. Let's read on. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so this, this, the authority, the sovereign, the majestic one, our majesty on the throne The Father put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church. He is our head, folks. He's our head and He gives us all things, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He is our fullness. So, Lord, we do appreciate these Christmas celebrations and all, but, Lord, we don't want it to detract from who you are, from our fullness to completely coming from you. I want to give you some more good news. I want to go more into Paul's teaching and go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Because Paul's going to, again, describe how this impacts us. And encourages us. Starting at verse 1. We're going to go through seven verses here. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. And of the, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. Indulging the sin, desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. So Paul said, hey, we all start from the same place. We live according to our flesh. And we have lust. We have these selfish desires that rule our life. And, and if, if you have, don't know the work of Christ that He's done, that we can now follow behind Him and receive by faith that we've been We've, been, we've died with Him, buried with Him, and raised with Him, then we will get just stuck in this, this system of the world. This system of the world that is, has the devil himself uh, 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 impacting every aspect of, the, of people's lives in the world. And you, you just have, you, you can't get away from it. It, it impacts your mind, it, it impacts your behaviors. So we all started the same place. We were all there. Just living according to the prince of the power of the air. But let's see what happens starting at verse 4. It's that great phrase that we see in scripture, but God. But God, and if you have this experience of giving your heart to Christ, you know that but God. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us 
with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Say what? Can you believe that? The journey didn't stop at just his resurrection, but in his ascension, he takes us with us to the to be with him at the throne. Again, another mystery, but God give us, as Paul prayed for us, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open up our spiritual minds, our spiritual eyes, and our hearts. Let us believe what it says. That, Lord, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's good news, folks. Now, notice this in verse 7. So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul talked about how just being bound to the prince of the, the power of the air, the devil, and the spirit of this world, and the lust of our flesh. But he says, there's such a transformation when you receive by faith the work that I've done of being buried and, and, and died and buried and raised within, even ascended to the heavenly places, seated with Christ. There's such transformation. This is a miracle. And he gets to show us off in the ages to come. We are his trophies. We are his, his praise reports. We are his, he, he holds us up and say, look. Look at the surpassing riches of my grace. Look what it did to Gary. Look what it did to Daryl and Carol. Look what it did to Nina. Look, he was once in, in darkness and now he's in my kingdom and seated with me. These are my trophies. I get to brag to the universe, look what I did. That's how good I am at the work I did. And through baptism, you're united to that work. It's a baptism by faith, but this is, this is why he said, do this water thing called baptism. Because I want you to physically participate in the, what I've done for you. I've united you to me and my work. You're united with me through baptism into his death and his resurrection, his ascension, and even being seated with him in heavenly places. So these are, this is how justification works. Justification is that immediate gift of righteousness given to us, a free gift from God. And what it does, it gives us the ability to live a sanctified life and, and grow in sanctification Day in, day in and day out, justification first, and then sanctification as we live it out. God is so gracious. He's so amazing. His heaven is majestic. He is majestic. And even in the face of great trial and suffering, He's majestic. I want you to, as I make a point here, but actually ask us to pray for Walt Queen. Walt and Barbara Queen's a couple that attended here a number of years back in the late 90s. Their two daughters, Joanna and Jennifer, attended youth group here and so forth. I knew them as their youth pastor back in those days. And since then, Jennifer married David Sullivan, who grew up here. And they have, uh, you know, four kids, the oldest I think she's a senior in high school now and uh, lives in Shelby County, serves as an elder in a, a local church here in Shelbyville. He's an attorney. And uh, we've stayed close with them. And 
But I, I was told by a friend about the Wave News, uh, Wave 3 news report early this week. And you can type it in and Wave 3 news, Walt Queen, and, and you'll find the links to this. And I knew he was just recently diagnosed with cancer, but I didn't know that the doctor said it was terminal stage 4 cancer until this news report came out. And Walt, uh, for the last 15 years, has been a Santa Claus in Louisville and other places. He's well sought after, really good at it. And he sees it as a gift from God to spread the message of Jesus Christ. You hear this in this interview that it's not just about having fun uh, and at, at Christmas time with Santa Claus. No, he is bringing the message of Jesus, particularly the message of forgiveness. And there's not anything that can't be forgiven, and there's not anyone that can't be forgiven. And they actually went into an, old, an older story from 1989 and showed the news clips from, what is that, 32 years ago when his oldest two teenage daughters died in an instantaneous truck wreck in downtown Louisville crushed by a trucker that had cars, uh, those smashed cars to take to like scrap metal kind of thing. Truck wrecked, all that pulled, went over on its side and landed right onto them and they were instantly killed. And they show video clips of the courtroom of Walt saying, Judge, we, and, and whoever the truck driver's name, we do not hate you. We forgive you. And this truck driver is tearing up over there. And then he says, and judge, we want you to, you know, release him from his prison sentence. And I think he served on probation for whatever, how many years for that. And what was interviewed and said, you know, my girls are waiting on me. It's been a long time. So whether God heals me or not, I've got heaven. And my girls are waiting on me. The gospel's called good news, folks, because it is good news. And how good news it is that you've been united with Christ into His death and His burial to receive the forgiveness of sins, but you've also been united to His resurrection. That you have victory over, over sin. And you've also united with Him to be seated with Him in heavenly places. And so I don't know how to encourage you or give you better news than that. But you, by faith, you have citizenship in heaven. You and I, our true home is in heaven. Yeah, it won't get all right. Suffering won't all go away on earth. It's not our home, folks. Even your dream house and your dream property and whatever it looks like, it is not your truest home. The deepest part of you longs for heaven, this majestic heaven where your Savior lives. He is Lord of lords and kings and kings, and you get to be with Him, seated in heavenly places. We have good news, folks. And those magi knew that this little toddler was worthy to be worshipped. And recognized in His majesty. And His very birth pointed to His kingship. His majesty. His rule over the earth. Father we pray for the queen family. 
We pray, Lord God, for you to minister to them all that they need, all the children, grandchildren, loved ones, and friends. Father, we're asking that you heal and do a miracle in his body. That this cancer be stopped, dried up, just shrivel up and leave his body in Jesus' name. And his health restored. But in all things, Lord God, we pray that you be glorified that much more over and over in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to actually, before we close with another scripture, I want us to read the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed was written in about the third century. It was put together all the doctrines taught in the scripture and and as a Presbyterian kid growing up, we said it every Sunday. And I've got the United Methodist version here. I don't know if any of you did it every week in your church growing up. But it's a summary of the work of Christ is what we've been teaching. It how he's done all the work in advance. And so I've got it up here on the screen and I'd like for us to read it out loud and we're basically confessing that yes, Lord your work, you've preceded us and you've done all the work so we can enter into the forgiveness of sins of the resurrection of the body and the life ever, everlasting. So let's start and you can follow me here. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Your work is good. Your work is complete. If no one's gone to tell River Kids to go ahead and come in, if someone could go do that, it would be great. Bring the children back in the sanctuary. Listen, folks, do not be seed. Every good thing and every perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow, a shifting shadow. Don't be deceived. Realize the goodness that you experience on earth in relationships and friends and the beauty of the sunrise or the sunset. These are blessings from the Heavenly Father. And they are to speak of us of our true home of heaven. That he's even more majestic of the best Kentucky sunset. His, what he's created in heaven is even more splendid than that. And to long for our home, our true home in heaven. There's even a scripture that says, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. That for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble estate into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. So, this citizenship means we have legal, heavenly authority. We are under the King of Heaven. And we're citizens of heaven. So we have all the rights of heaven. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer it says to pray, Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in take home, just as a reminder, I'm praying that during this kind of between Christmas and New Year's, you are encouraged. You be encouraged. Number one, because Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Well, all authority rests. And number two, we are seated with Him in heavenly places. Lord, illumine our minds, enlighten us. Lord, give us revelation of, of what that means. And I can tell you what it means, and the Holy Spirit will expand this for you. That number three, we are victorious and free. That is His promise to us. That is His work in us. That what He's doing from this place of being justified, now He's sanctifying us, we can be sanctified. We can be transformed and be more and more like Christ. This is good news, folks. This is His, our hope is sure. His promise is, 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 is going to happen. It's happening as we speak. That yes, we are victorious and we are free from the bondages of sin and death. From hopelessness and despair. From depression does not have to stay over your mind. The darkness of, of depression and, and of hopelessness are, is broken in Jesus' name. Whatever the situation is, a, 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 a prayers for our prodigals. Lord, we have hope because of this completed work of Christ. And you want us to believe that our prodigals, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren will all walk in your kingdom and your freedom. There's reasons why. There's scriptures that say things like, you are more than a conqueror through Christ. Because our conquerors who paved the way all the way back to the throne, He sits at the right hand of the Father. That you can, you, you can do all things through whom Christ who strengthens you. Because all strength is at the right hand of the Father. It's Jesus Christ. That greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. So though what we see, there's a lot of darkness in the Flesh, fleshly desires battling, warning against our own soul. Let me tell you, greater is He than is in us, Jesus, than He who is in the world. We have victory over what's happening. We do not have to be swayed by what's happening in governments and cultures and societies. We, our government is in Christ. He is the ruler of rulers. He causes us to triumph in Christ. That's our nature is to triumph in the areas of our life, to have hope, 
to believe in His promise. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask Josiah Terrell to come up front. He's going to help me read a couple of scriptures. We're going to go ahead and um, hit all the lights here. Everybody have a candle. If you don't have a candle, we have more candles. Raise your hand. Bring them all the way down to zilch. Zero, nada, nothing. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. John 1, 4-5 In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen to that. Okay, could you go ahead and light good? Alright, you guys are working on it. Okay, fantastic. 